Amen. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Thank you, Kevin. Won't you please pray with me for just a moment? Lord God, as we humble ourselves before the truth and power and wisdom of your word, we ask that we might experience it as truth, be encouraged by its wisdom and be empowered to go out and live as your people. We're open and receptive now. Please do a good work by your spirit within us. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Have you ever had an experience where you were about to do something that you really weren't looking forward to, that you thought was going to be kind of a bad experience or a painful experience or an unpleasant experience, and then it turned out to be something really, really good? Like, like, like maybe a friend wants you to go to a movie and you, you don't want to go see this particular movie, but because it's a friend, you go ahead and go, not anticipating that the movie would be very good at all, thinking you're just going to have to endure it. But then it turns out to be a really good movie and you really enjoy it. Or maybe you've got a, a child playing soccer or dancing in a recital and you've got to go to their game or go to their recital. And of course, because you're a loving parent, you want to go, but you're not looking forward to the event itself. But then when you go, it's actually better than you thought it would be or maybe you're invited to a party and you're not sure you know if this going to be fun or not and then you you go and you find some people that you know pretty well and you have a great time and on the way home you say wow that was that was a lot more fun than i expected we've all had those kinds of experiences haven't we when you were thinking of something was going to be bad and it turned out to be really good when i was 10 years old i had french toast for the very first time we were on vacation going to Nova Scotia, Canada. It was a road trip in the summer, and uh, I really liked this road trip because we got to spend a night in a motel. And when I was 10 years old, I don't, I don't think we had ever done that before as a family, and it was exciting to get to spend the night in a motel. And the next morning, we got to go out for breakfast. We went to the Howard Johnson's. Remember that? And it was, it was breakfast time, and I was all excited, going to get some pancakes and some bacon, and... And as we sat down, uh, my mom suggested that instead of pancakes, I should get French toast. I didn't know what French toast was. It didn't sound very appealing to me. I mean, French toast sounded like just toast. And I didn't like toast. Toast is just dried up bread, right? And so I didn't really want French toast. And I thought I'd stick to pancakes because I, I know pancakes. I like pancakes. And 
And so I wanted pancakes, and yet my mom prevailed, and begrudgingly I ordered French toast, not looking forward to it, anticipating that it would be something bad. Until our server arrived at the table with the French toast. And it was glorious. <laughs> Thick, soft, warm, sweet French toast cut in perfect symmetrical triangles laid out on the plate and a big thing of butter and sprinkled with confectioner sugar and then, best of all, a little tin pitcher of syrup. And I got to pour that over the toast and it was unbelievable. Now, even now, when I get to go out for breakfast, which still isn't often enough now that I think about it, but when I get to go out for breakfast, I still love to get French toast. Something I thought was going to be so bad turned out to be so good. And I tell you that story about the French toast, and I get you thinking about things that you thought were going to be bad that turned out to be good, because today, friends, we're going to talk a little bit about death. And we live in a culture today that thinks of death as something bad, something awful, the worst thing that could happen. And yet we as Christians live with a different reality. We live in light of the promise that Jesus gives us, that death is not the worst thing. That can happen. In fact, for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, death is not an ending. It's a, it's a beautiful new beginning. And Jesus asked a question about death and what he promises about death that we're going to look at today. So, so welcome back to our series on Jesus. And we're looking in the series at questions Jesus asked. And we've been looking at several questions. And today we're going to look at a question Jesus asked about what he promises about what happens when we die. And to kind of help us understand the question, we've got to do a little bit of background. So in John chapter 11, which is the chapter where today's scripture comes from, I want to give you a little bit of background. Jesus is on his way to visit the home of Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, they lived in Bethany. Bethany is about two miles outside of the capital city of Jerusalem. Jesus is coming to visit them, but it's not... A typical visit. Jesus is not coming this time to celebrate and be with the family. He's coming to express his sorrow because Lazarus has died. And Mary and Martha are grieving. And it's the, the, the week after the death. In fact, the, the funeral was about four days ago. Lazarus is already in the tomb. The funeral's over, but in, in Hebrew tradition, the first seven days are a, a week of mourning. So there's still family, there's still friends, there's still people around helping Mary and Martha, the, the two sisters who were survivors, helping them to, to grieve the loss. And so Jesus arrives, and as he's, as he's getting there, uh, someone tells Martha, one of the sisters, hey, hey, Jesus is, is here. And so Martha runs out to greet Jesus and his disciples while Mary stays behind with the guests, and Martha and Jesus have a conversation. And Martha says, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, you, if you could have gotten here before he died, you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died because Martha knew of the healing power of Jesus. And then Jesus says, Lazarus will rise. And Martha's thinking that Jesus is pointing to a promise that many Jews believed in, the promise that uh, when you die, your soul would, would go to a place called Sheol, which was the abode of the dead. It was kind of this shadowy place, sometimes uh, translated as Hades in the Bible. Uh, so it's just this, this shadowy place where the souls of the departed 
waited until the arrival of the Messiah, at which point they would all rise from the dead and they would receive immortal bodies. And so this is the last day is the the arrival of the Messiah and this resurrection is what, what they're thinking about. But Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about a different kind of resurrection, a resurrection that happens before the final day. That when what Jesus is, is, is getting ready to explain, as he's thinking about his own death on the cross and his resurrection, that there is a resurrection that happens to the soul. When the body dies, the soul goes to be with the Lord in a place Jesus called paradise, what we call heaven, which is a beautiful, amazing place that our Lord has prepared for us as we anticipate the last day when Jesus will return, and then we will all receive these immortal bodies and live eternally in a place, a new heaven and a new earth that we, we read about at the end of the Bible in the book of the Revelation. So what Jesus is, is saying is he's saying, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he's pointing to the fact that just in a few days, he's going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world, erase the curse of death, and then free our eternal souls, souls so that when we die... We don't go to Sheol, the abode of the dead. We go to heaven, to paradise. And we are there with the Lord and with our loved ones as we await the final day. And, uh, and what Jesus uh, does here is he then goes and he, he speaks to the tomb and he literally raises Lazarus up from the dead to demonstrate that he has the power over death. But before he goes and does that, he asks Martha this important question. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, yet shall you live again. And whoever lives and believes in me will never really die. And then he asked her this question. Do you believe this? And that's the question I want us to consider today. Do you believe what Jesus said? That he is the resurrection and the life. That even though you die, yet shall you live again. And if you truly live and believe in him, you'll never really die. Do you See death for what it really is, what Jesus says it is. Not an ending, but a new beginning. On this particular day, as we remember All Saints Day, and we give thanks to God for loved ones who've gone on to glory, it's, it's really important that we get very clear on what we understand and what we think about death. Because what the Bible tells us is that we're just passing through in this life. This world is not our home. This life is not all there is. In fact, we're citizens of another kingdom, the Bible says. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, if our hope is only in this life, then we're of all people to be most pitied. You know, if you're going through difficulties right now, I don't mean to diminish the struggles and trials that you're going through, but you need to understand they're temporary. You're, you're, you're just passing through. Teresa of Avila used to say that when we get to heaven after this life, we'll look back on the troubles and difficulties and sorrows of this life, and it'll seem like just one bad night in a cheap hotel. Right? I, don't, I don't, again, don't mean to trivialize any pain someone might be experiencing these days, but we're just passing through here. And if you're having a great time, if you're kind of celebrating, if life is going great, I don't mean to rain on your parade, but it's just temporary here the joy the happiness the triumph you might experience in this life is just a tiny foretaste of the greater joy triumph glory that we'll get to experience when this life is over see we need to hold both the the struggles and the pleasures of this life in their proper perspective this life is a school 
Love is the curriculum. And death is graduation day. Did you get that? This life is a school. Love is the curriculum. And death is graduation day. And when death comes to you and to me, it won't be the worst day. It will be a good day. A celebration. And a promise of graduation to the life yet to come. Because he lives, we will live also. And if we live and believe in him, we never really will die. And I want to zero in in the few moments we have left this morning and talk to three different groups of people. Because how you experience this promise might depend on which category you fall into. So let me first talk to the young people who are here this morning. We've got some young folks here. I want to talk to you about death for a second. Uh, If you're a young person, you probably think death isn't really something you think a lot about. After all, you're young. You've got many years ahead of you. You'll think about death when you get old, right? But until then, you've got a lot of living to do. And let me just say, we do hope you live a long, full life. And you get to enjoy many days, many years. I know I speak for everyone here when we wish you a long, healthy, good life. But let me also say this. Don't assume you're entitled to that. Because the truth of the matter is, young people die every day. Sometimes they get cancer. Sometimes they're involved in accidents. Sometimes they're born with heart defects that nobody knows about until something happens and then it's too late. Sometimes they're hurt or killed by violent acts of other people. See, the truth of the matter is, nobody's promised a long life. Here's what we're promised when death comes, and it will come to all of us whenever death comes. The promise is it's not the ending, because if we've put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, we get to experience His resurrection power. And we go to a place far better than this. So, young people, listen, listen. Live every day with a sense of gratitude. Don't take even a moment for granted. Because you're not entitled to a long life. Nobody is. Now, we hope you have one. Plan for it. Prepare for it. But it's not a guarantee. I get a kind of chuckle of the story about the pastor who was having breakfast with his family one day. He had a teenage son. And uh, the pastor had to do a funeral that day for a a young person, and uh, he's talking about it at breakfast, and he looked at his son, he said, Son, remember, live every day as if it's your last. And the son looked at his dad and said, Hey, last time I did that, you grounded me for a month. (laughs) How you live is important, right? But live with an awareness that every day is a gift, no matter what your age. The early Christians encouraged one another. To at least once a day say to one another, remember your mortality. They saw this gift God has given us to acknowledge that we're going to die someday. They saw that as a great gift to be appreciated. Momentum mori, they used to say. Remember your mortality. Remember you will die. There's a bedtime prayer my parents taught me when I was a little kid. Maybe you... Learned this prayer too. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Some people say, what a terrible prayer. Parents teaching their kids that 
This might be the last time you're alive. You say this prayer and then you go to sleep and you don't wake up. What a way to horrify a child. But let me suggest to you that's a very wise thing for parents to do. Maybe not at a bedtime prayer, but parents, we've got to decide at what age and in what way we're going to help our children recognize this reality. We're all mortal. And we're all going to, and one responsibility, one very important responsibility of parents is to help children not fear death, but to understand death as a part of life, as a natural, normal reality that we all experience. It's not morbid. It's not awful to teach your children about the reality of death. It's really for the Christian, it's a parental necessity. And whether you do it in a prayer, you do it some other way, it's, you know, we try to shield our kids from this stuff, but we shouldn't shield them from this stuff. This is real life. And we have the greatest hope in the world. And we should help our children embrace that hope that when death comes because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we have every reason to be confident that the best is yet to come. So the bottom line, if you're a If you're a young person or if you're a parent with children, uh, there's no guarantee we'll all live to be 95 years old and die peacefully in our sleep. But death is not something to be afraid of. It's something to be aware of. Because only those who are truly prepared to die are actually equipped to live. Now let me talk for a minute to some of the older folks who may be here. And... uh, you can decide if you fall in this category or not, but uh, if you're older, you probably come to the conclusion that there are no guarantees. You've had enough memories and experiences in life. You know every day is a gift, and maybe for some of you, you, you realize there's probably not as many years ahead of you as you've had behind you. I'm 56 years old, turned 56 this summer, and it occurs to me on a regular basis that I've probably lived more years than I'm going to live. And uh, I realize, I, I, I don't feel like I'm old, but I feel like I'm getting there. I'm, I'm now having more hair growing out of my ears than out of my head. And I don't like that at all. And some of you, young, some of you youngsters who are laughing at that, your day's coming. And I can't wait. No, just kidding. But 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 here's the, here's the truth, friends. Um, I'm finding myself at this age of stage of life that I am attending more funerals and conducting more funerals for people who are maybe just a little bit older than me or or my age. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 90 talks about the shortness of life, and I love the way he describes it. He says, "Human beings, we're we're, we're like blades of grass that come up in the morning dew." wither in the afternoon sun, and then get blown away with the evening breeze. Yeah? I, I, I don't feel like I'm getting blown away by the evening breeze yet, but I do feel sometimes like I'm withering in the afternoon heat. Can I get an amen from some of you, right? If you're in this category with me, here's an invitation I offer you. Invest yourself well in whatever time you have left. Invest yourself well. Make the rest of your life the best of your life. That doesn't mean you have to go ride roller coasters and jump out of an airplane and do crazy things. It means you invest yourself in others and in the work that you believe the Lord has asked you to do. And you 
recognize your responsibility to help equip the next generation, the generation coming up, with the values and the character and the truths that are so very important and that are getting lost these days. You know, the Puritans who settled in America had this concept of dying well. And their belief was that one of your responsibilities as a Christian is to die well. It meant you fought really hard against the natural temptation to get cynical and cogity as you got older. And that you wouldn't complain about every ache or pain or become angry or bitter because life wasn't arranging itself to make you happy. But instead you would be forgiving and generous and graceful and grace-filled, that you would actually become more loving and wise as you got older. And when your time came to die, you would die with God's praise on your lips, anticipating the glory ahead. I'll tell you what, that's how I want to go. That's how I want to spend my final days. So, if you're in this older category, invest yourself. Be sure that when your graduation day comes, you... You die well. And uh, I always encourage some, some folks who are older to, to be invested in the work and the ministry of our church. I find there's two categories of older folks in the church when it comes to serving and being in ministry. One category of person says, I did all that when I was younger. Let the, let me, I'm just going to you know, step aside. Let the younger people do it all now. I'm finished. Well, that's one approach. But then there's this other category of people who say, I've got some time now. I've got some wisdom. I've got some experience. I want to, I want to find a way to, to continue to be a blessing to those around me, to continue to grow and stretch myself and invest myself well. I'll tell you, we got some folk, we got some wonderful senior saints in this church, honestly. I, I can think of an older couple right now who, who are tur- tutoring at-risk kids over in elementary school as part of our brain builders ministry. I can think of a woman 20 years older than me who goes on three or four volunteer mission trips every single year. I know a man in his early 80s who's volunteering at the hospital three days a week. I know a group of women in our church who do a knitting ministry. They knit caps for newborn infants that that are given at the hospital and and gloves and scarves that they, they give to folks at the homeless shelter. I'll tell you, friends, it's so important, no matter what your age that you serve, but as you get older, please know we need you to set an example for the generation coming up. We need you to help us raise the next generation. We want you to die well so people can celebrate your life and your legacy and so you can anticipate the rewards that are yet to come. So whether you're a young person who thinks death is a long way off and you're entitled to a long life, or whether you're an older person recognizing that death's probably a lot closer now than it used to be, invest yourself. Invest yourself. And then as we wrap up, let me just address myself to one more category of people who are probably here today. Those of you who've lost loved ones, and you still feel the ache of that loss. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, I've walked with a lot of you, talked with others of you. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost parents, siblings, spouses, grandparents. Some of you have lost your best friends. Some of you have lost your pets. Who were your best friend? You know, the the reality is we all experience the loss of loved ones in this life. And we feel that loss deeply. You know, 
I'm up here talking about how death is a good thing, and you might be thinking, hey, maybe good for the person who died, but for those of us left behind, it doesn't feel so good. Let me say, as someone who's also lost loved ones, I understand that. Give yourself permission to grieve those losses and recognize that it takes time to heal and allow yourself to take that time. You never totally get over loss, but you do learn to move on with your life. And uh, you learn that you'll love again, you'll laugh again, you can go forward again. One of the things I love about this church is we we take seriously our ministry to people who have lost loved ones. We have a grief share ministry that helps them, and we try to surround people with love when they're going through hard times with the loss of a loved one. We, We have to grieve in a healthy manner. It's okay to be sad for yourself, even when you're happy for somebody else. But one of the ways we heal from our sense of loss is by embracing this promise that for our loved one, They're not sad. They're enjoying the promise of resurrection that Jesus has given to us. See, this promise that Jesus makes is not is not wishful thinking. It's It's the bedrock truth upon which we Christians build our lives. Because He lives, we will live also. And if we live and believe in Him, we'll never really die. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come and bring you to be with me. The grave could not hold him. And the grave will not hold us because of him. Never make the mistake of thinking we're in the land of the living moving towards death. The exact opposite is true. We're in the land of the dying moving towards life. The Apostle Paul says, when this earthly tent we live in, is destroyed. We have an eternal home waiting for us in the heavens which will not rust or decay. Mortality gives way to immortality. Death is swallowed up in victory. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Friends, these are not just comforting words that we speak at a funeral. This is the truth which shapes our earthly life. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? That even though you die, yet shall you live again. So whether you're a fresh blade of grass sprouting in the morning dew, or whether you're a withering blade of grass fighting against the evening breeze, or somewhere in between, just remember this. Memento mori. Remember your mortality. And remember the promise that when death comes, it won't be an ending. It'll be a new beginning. We'll join the saints who've gone before us. We'll discover what they've discovered. That while this life may be good, it's not the best there is. The best is yet to come. Let's pray together.